All right, hello, welcome. This, this is uh, episode three of Moot, the podcast where all our points are moot. And today we're going to be talking about the differences between American and Norwegian politics using no experts, zero. Zero of us are experts. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, my friend here is Ty. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. No. And I'm Joe, the other half of the podcast, and I'm from Bergen, Norway. I'm Chris, or Christian. I'm, uh, I'm from Norway, in, uh, Stavanger, Norway. Awesome. Awesome possum. <laughs> um, He's an oil boy. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of oil down here. Yeah, so I've heard. Okay, so let's, uh, let's start t- talking about uh, Chris and Ty. So tell us about yourself, Ty. Well, uh, I'm a sales manager at a automotive dealership in the city of Pittsburgh, which is yeah, it's it's unique. You know, we get all sorts. Um, I work for a domestic manufacturer, um, so we get people from all walks of life. Uh, a lot of a lot of rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of rednecks and a lot of carrots. Rednecks are cool, though. No, <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, as someone who grew up in a, in in the family in rural Pennsylvania, it's a special type of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, like there there's a county called Green County where the men are men, the sheep are nervous, and if you hear banjos, just keep rowing. I swear, uh, it is the inspiration for deliverance. <laughs> Okay, Chris, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm Chris, uh, live in Stavanger, and I'm 27 years old. Usually, uh, right now, I work at a store, like part time, uh, like just a normal store, store clerk. Other than that, I don't do that much. Sounds yeah. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> You've had better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Advisor uh, rates at two out of five. <laughs> Fuck the work part then. Tell me what you believe in, Chris. What is your what is your raison d'être, your reason for life? What are you passionate about? I don't know actually. <laughs> I don't think about oh, stuff here. <laughs> I just do what comes to mind. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say about what? Anything. Everything. <laughs> Anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so our topic today is like politics, the difference between Norway and America, right? Yeah. And uh, like... I mean, we talked, let's we talked just about establish this before. What, what would we, we say politics are like here in Norway, Chris? How would you describe like politics here? Would you say uh, it's would you say contentious? How is that for uh, good? Like, Most, like yeah, everyone good. is happy. We don't have riots in the streets and all that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There, there's there's, there's always a discussion, but it, it doesn't get, get any further than the discussion. Yeah, we don't really we don't really ruin Christmas dinners over politics here. No, like the the only thing people are rioting are not rioting, but like protesting is like uh, toll stations and stuff. I know, isn't that just like kind of an incredible first world problem? Yeah, it is. Like they they they're 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 writing about like all sorts of stuff and everywhere, and we are just like, well, I don't want to pay my toll booth. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, literally, we, literally, we literally have a party. Like one of the big up-and-coming parties is Folkaktion Nej till bompengar, which means the I don't know people's action or something. No to toll booths. No it's to just, toll booths. I'm yeah, actually part of it. <laughs> yeah, of course you. Are. <laughs> yeah, but it's basically people are pissed about booths, and they're yeah they made a party around. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't be talking about this because I'm not part of it. Chris, tell me what 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 is uh, FNB against, and uh, why uh, do you think 
yeah, why, why did you want to join them? Why do you think they're important? Uh, the reason why I join them is because the way that you spend their money. You use it a bicycle road and everything not uh, like car related and the people that drive the car is the one that has to pay for it. That's, yeah. And I, ex extremely expensive to just drive outside the city. And then you have to go back. Since I live, in, I live inside the like toll ring and every time I'm going to go outside, I have to pay like a lot. How much is it? How much is the toll? Like, uh, monthly, it's around hundred dollars. What? Okay. That's... Depends mm -hmm. on how much, how much you drive. Though. Per, like, per, how much is it per trip, like uh, per payment? Per uh, like station, it's around. I think it's twenty-five in Norwegian. That's around two and a half dollar, if not like two to three dollar. And like, if I'm gonna go out shopping, I have to drive a lot, like through three of them, and it's like. That's so cheap. Yeah, like, yeah, but it, both it, ways. So it, it's around. It, it as a frame of reference to go <laughs> from my house to Jeremy's house, which is two hours. It yeah. Both ways, it runs me. Well, I forgot my Easy Pass, so my discount's gone. So it's going to run me about thirty bucks. Yeah, that, that's actually a lot. Yeah, but Maybe, I'm I'm talking about driving fifteen minute minutes. That would be. I think that would be more aggravating. Like. It feels, it's annoying when you drive, like, because Ohio has a toll road, and then you hit Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh has a toll road for, like, 40 miles or something. Well, it's, you, you had to pay, you had to pay $20 for me, it's, in, it's, that's, covers 40 miles, and then, you, the, you know, the next round of the turnpike gets, but I'm only on for nine miles. So you have to pay that second thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is now. Oh, it goes up every time. It seems like every time I come here, it goes up. But that second that second toll road goes all the way to Philadelphia. That's like a four hundred mile. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's to, to get across the states like forty or fifty bucks. Yeah, I mean, I was paying. That's actually a lot. I was paying when I, I, I my graduate school was in Philadelphia, and when I drove out there, it was about a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy dollars there and back. Oh, that that's actually quite expensive <laughs> to, go to, to go to my cousin's house i had to jump on a expressway um again for like six miles i think it's 250 so uh in the u.s like or in ohio is it like uh are toll booths uh, a topic of political conversation no no it's just we 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 accept the fact that the turnpike commission is not going to spend their money responsibly and perpetually be under construction it's just, a, it's just like a staple of life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not something you guys argue about. No, no, I've never heard it in so, a political discussion ever. So let's turn to the American half of this. What do you guys are? I mean, ours, ours are much more like fundamental right type of stuff, like healthcare. Like, like Chris, let me ask you this. If yeah. you guys didn't have universal healthcare and it was privatized and it was vastly more expensive privatized, would would you want your universal health care back? Oh yes, because well, because like our, our I I don't know I don't know many Trump supporters that want universal health care. They're they're afraid of removing the the middleman, the private insurance part. <laughs> and so I think it's I think it's it's fascinating. Like that those are the kinds of questions that I have. Yeah, but, but but I'm I'm Norwegian. I'm used to have universal health care, and it's like normal. And if when I read about Americans and see their bills from just hospital trip, it's insane. Oh, I was in a car accident. Uh, How much did that cost? Nine, nine years ago. Um, it would have been $45,000. Holy shit. What kind of damage was that? Like, did they have to reattach your head or something? No, <laughs> it was a broken leg and ribs. Yeah. yeah. You broke a leg... And some ribs. And, and some ribs. Yeah, the ambulance ride from so the ambulance was like seventeen thousand dollars to go. Yeah, it's super expensive. Miles. Seventeen. Yeah. That that's that's the most expensive taxi in the world. It is. Well, yeah. and I sat there and I was arguing with the EMTs about like needing to go to the hospital after the accident. I was like, Nah, I'm fine. I'm just gonna walk it off. And I, I was in shock. I didn't realize I was walking on a broken leg. I'm like, I'll be sore in the morning. I, I should be fine. I'm like, dude, you're you're you're, you're bleeding. Uh, a lot. <laughs> you 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 should go to the hospital. It's like 
fine. (laughs) (laughs) When my daughter was born, um, she, we we were charged about 18,000, but that was before insurance. After insurance, I still wound up paying about two grand and you know, it was just like a standard birth. There were no complications. We were out of the hospital a day after. Um, Jesus Christ, your daughter better make up for that. I <laughs> better have not told her that yet because I'm afraid it'll 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 ruin it. But she'll she'll know eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I went to the hospital one time. I got picked up by ambulance because I had a major headache. I felt like it's going to explode. So I was. They came to pick me up, and I like. Uh, slept over at the hospital for a day and I didn't pay a single dollar. That's yeah, fascinating. I, okay. Two years ago, I had that surgery and it ran me four grand after insurance. It was, again, it was like 20, it was 25, 30 grand and because our deductibles are so high, you know, it was 4,000 out of pocket. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask you, how much, how much guys, uh, how much, not guys, but money do you guys make a year, just so I can have a frame of reference if this is like really expensive for you? I mean, it is obviously, but how expensive it is i oh man i'm anywhere i make a lot <laughs> um i made 150 last 150,000 last year oh, oh, that's a lot yeah that's a good that's this, this year is bad because of covid i might be 80 i don't know we we make my wife and i together make about well less than half of that um but I damn guy. <laughs> and and it's it stinks. Well, because the biggest issue is that with four people, you're paying for insurance for four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm paying for one. Like, how how much do you have to pay for in, insurance? Uh, what the hell do I pay? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's two or three hundred a month. I, I I don't look at my paychecks. Yeah, my wife pays three fifty just for herself, and then. The, the kids and I are on, on a different different plan, and that comes out to about six hundred a month. So you know, about a thousand a month. It's like twelve uh, twelve thousand a year. That's a lot. Um, and that and that that's that doesn't count like deductibles and, and the actual payments you make, because the insurance company doesn't cover the all of everything. You know, it, it only covers depending on what how your insurance is set up. It. it God forbid you go out of network. <laughs> right, yeah, you can't do, don't go out of network. Um, the, the only things that are free are like preventative care, things that will lower the amount that an insurance company will have to pay in the future. So if you get like, you get like one doctor's visit a year to your general practitioner where they just do a, a regular checkup and they do like a blood test and make sure everything's all right. And that is usually free. But that makes if, sense though, because that then they don't have to pay because of your terrible health later. Exactly. So if they find something, then it it reduces the amount of like the cost burden later on. Yeah. Okay. So is that like the main issue you guys discuss? Is healthcare in the U.S. Oh, it's like it's from the news week. It is a single, like a lot of stuff. The but, single pa- panel in the, in the in the tapestry of, of oh yeah, there's a full constellation. <laughs> so I would say the biggest ones are definitely. Healthcare, um, guns, religion, um, uh, abortion, net, rights. abortion rights. I, I would, I would, I would wrap that under religion at this yeah. point. That's yeah. probably umbrella together because a lot of religious voters, a lot of evangelical. What other What vote. other religious stuff do you discuss? I only know about abortion and possibly like the gay cake thing. Um, well, so church, churches are tax exempt, and so you can start a nonprofit church with very little money. And as long as you have a regular congregation, you can get tax benefits on it. Um, so, but the other thing is, is that a lot of, especially red states will make it so you can kind of, <laughs> you can set up like a charter school that's religious and get money for it, even though your religious organization is tax exempt. And then you can then spend that money on the religion or on the churches and they also try to push their you know their religion into public schools and any any kind of public avenue that they can so yeah so like there was an issue in ohio um where they were uh trying to add like religious stuff into textbooks or Mm -hmm. 
Um, evolution is another one where <laughs> they'll, you know, they'll, they'll try to push creationism and say that you have to teach creationism with evolution in the same textbook. And so schools will try to order those. Um, the, those same textbooks will also say that uh, many slaves enjoyed their labor. <laughs> <laughs> so education gets kind of mixed in with that, uh, with, with, with religious issues a bit. Um, that just sounds so wrong. <laughs> oh, dude, this is like the kiddie pool outside. <laughs> um, yeah, there's... Uh, other big issues are probably, um, well, now, you know, police brutality and minority rights, have, you know, civil rights have always been a thing in America. Um, those never stopped. It dies down for a while, so you'll get something that will placate people. Like, civil rights became less of an issue after the Civil Rights uh, Act passed in the 60s. There were still people protesting and still people trying to push it further, but it didn't come back in a big way until... Reagan came in and the welfare queen thing image popped out. And then again, Rodney King. Rodney King in the early 90s, it came back and it's coming back now with Black Lives Matter. So you have waves of civil rights. Like you'll have, you'll have many eras where it'll come back every decade or so. Yeah, it's kind of like a fashionable issue that goes in cycles. Yeah, it, it's, see the thing is because there are so many issues to protest and you know, I, I've heard the American Republican Party described as the party of no, like, no, you can't have anything. And that's easier to rally a whole bunch of people behind. Whereas on, on the Democratic side, where they're pushing for things, you have, a, you have a, a coalition of little groups, all trying for different stuff. And so you have moments where one group of people with one set of needs will push forward in a dramatic way and kind of capture the attention of everyone. But there's so many things that you can't be angry about everything all the time, so it'll eventually fade and something else will pop up. There's and like, usually it's about a crisis. Like guns will pop up every time there's a major shooting. That Well, and now, and now there's a whole thing where um, a white kid was, was shot and killed in the South. Yeah, at a five-year-old. Yeah, and, and executed. Right, and there's this whole false. Yeah, there, there's a whole false equivalency about the story um, uh, popping up on, on, on social media right now, trying to like, wow, you see, it happens to white people too. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> the the gun rights advocates are saying, well, everybody gets shot, so don't take away our guns. Also, it happens to white people, so 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 like Black Lives Matter is being pulled into the gun debate. Or, or vice versa, maybe. I, I, maybe it's vice versa. It seems versa. like a really bad argument for the gun lobby to do. Like, everyone gets shot, so let's keep our guns. Uh, no, the, look, that's, the, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a clear difference between Norway and the U.S. when it comes to, like, politics. I wish our only problem was toll booths. That'd be great. I know. I would protest toll booths if that was my only <laughs> <laughs> Just for something to do. <laughs> do. Do you guys ever get like bored with politics? Like, like I remember when Trump was about a year in, and there were some memes that started floating around. Like, I remember when politics was boring, and I really missed that time. Do you guys like ever wish that your politics were more interesting, or are you just like glad that it's not? You don't have to worry about it. Like, do you feel like you have to worry about it? You want to take this one, Chris? I'm actually happy the way it is. There's like no major issues. Uh, no, I don't, I don't really want to change it. Yeah, I, I concur. I concur. It's, it's nice to uh, focus on stuff that's more fun instead. Like, you know, your friends, uh, education, your hobbies, knowing what to do with your life. I, I, like, I, li I like that problem more than, you know, having a fight with my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you ever have either of you have ever been in a situation where you couldn't you felt like you couldn't talk to someone because of their politics? Uh, yeah, I think we've all been in that situation, haven't we? Oh. Like, yeah, it's like every now and then you uh you, like you hang out with some friends at the university and they're like they're really into Twitter or something like that, so they're a bit of a social justice warrior or something, and they just they just get. It just gets painful to talk to certain people. 
And it's not just social justice warriors. It's certain people on the right too. Like my little brother, he can be a real pain in the ass to talk to. Like he 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 genuinely believes in what he believes in, and I respect that. But when people just can't kind of agree to disagree, it gets really difficult to have a longer conversation. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you get stuck on a point and you can't move past it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if 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 someone has to convince you, you know, and if they fail to convince you, and then they later come up with some evidence that like proves that what they said two weeks ago was right they don't let it go you know until you go like yeah fine you're the master you know it's it becomes uh becomes, joe yeah you remember england all the times me and you did oh, yeah. jesus christ oh me and chris we would have such ridiculous arguments when we lived together in england as About students. What? uh politics mostly the 2016 election in the u.s uh because uh Chris is uh, he's a he's a very like loud and proud Trump supporter, and uh, I'm not I'm I'm a I don't know what I I'm, I'm center left I guess I I like Hillary I like Hillary a lot I didn't like her personally I mean she fucking strikes me as the witch from uh, Hansel and but uh, I like her politics <laughs> I think she was I think she would have been a solid president yeah uh, so we had lots of arguments and oh, I remember like oh. Fucking November 9th, after the election, I was standing in the kitchen. I was just like, oh, oh well, oh well. I mean, we're all still here. And into the kitchen, this fucking douchebag, Chris, comes strolling in with the biggest grin, the biggest fucking <laughs> grin you've seen on your face ever. And he's like, oh, did you, did you catch the election yesterday? Uh, did you catch it? Uh, did you see the results? And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, I cannot wake up this way and, oh oh that was a that was a day yeah Whew. oh i remember it was such a good day oh, I, I don't i don't agree with that statement yeah, no. <laughs> i i probably would have handled it a little less less well but it also hits a little closer to home here <laughs> yeah yeah i mean to us, to us it's kind of like a gladiatorial arena and we're both in the in the like bleachers yeah, well, I, I still have the war paint kind of streaked on my cheeks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, tell me, why, what, what interests you about Trump? Uh, it all started with a meme war, war of course. <laughs> it just got me interested. Okay. Um, and then you could see, like, there was a lot of bad stuff popping up about Hillary and everything. Uh, of course, I, I, I don't instantly believe stuff I read. I have to have like sources and everything if i read if i if i just read something and it's, there's no source or anything it's, then i then i don't believe it it's then it, yeah i don't accept words from like a dude on facebook you got to see like no well that's it's, that puts you above 99 percent of americans <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't you have a major fake news problem or is it just exaggerated by trump no, it's a major problem because, it is. like, it, the media only like post it's, stuff it, to make it, people more angry. Basically, it's not even the media; it's social media where yeah, where cool. just bad information gets circulated, you know, repeatedly. Well, the truth is usually boring, right? Like, you, yeah, you hear like um, no, but nobody talks about the time they went to the doctor. And they paid like $20 for an Advil, which is ridiculous. And I've done that before without knowing at the time that it would cost $20 later. But <clears throat> you, what you want to hear is the sensationalist stuff. And it makes it very easy. You know, it's easy to bend the truth or outright lie for a sensationalist thing to circulate. And if people are just going to hit share, and that's all you have to do is hit share because it got you really upset. Then, should be there should be consequences for like spreading like major false news there, no matter what side it is yeah i agree and and i really like that twitter started adding a fact check to certain information that, that circulated i think i think the other platforms need to kind of like step up and do that same thing so at least people can see the icon and go well wait a second i should really take this with a grain of salt because i think a lot of people when they scroll past a post on their feed they're not thinking too clearly because they're already revved up because they've already probably seen a few memes from 
their social circle that got them heated in the first place. Right. Yeah. And it, it becomes an echo chamber. You know, it's it's just it's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh it's just the basest human instinct at work, you know, tribalism. Do you guys do you guys yeah. have twenty four hour news channels like like cable news that's on like if you turn it on at yeah three, there's there's one channel like Norwegian it's called News Channel that's it News Channel <laughs> yep I love yeah. how generic that is we've got like five or six which one is that I, I I don't even know about that oh uh, wait I think it's called TV Two News Channel actually oh okay I can think of four yeah, TV Two has everything like that they have a sports that's channel too don't they yeah so. Do, do do people take that channel seriously? Like, do they if they want to get informed? Do a lot of people like turn into news channel and just? I, I actually don't know. I've, I I don't watch that channel. That's fair. our news. Our news channels are a little bit more boring. It's uh, yeah. so there's obviously here we have. Uh, well, maybe you don't know Fox News, um, which is uh, very, oh, very right famous. side, and then you have CNN. That's the left side. Isn't CNN, it? No, CNN is not really. I don't know if I'd describe it as hyper liberal. MSNBC is pretty liberal. Yeah, NBC is liberal. I'd say CNN because CNN has hired. It's sensationalist. I don't know that I'd call it liberal. But it's, yeah. a, it's a 24 hour news network. They get paid to sell ads. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the issue is like when you take. Like Fox, Fox News isn't allowed to advertise themselves as a news channel in a lot of other countries, they're an entertainment network. Um, as opposed to news, but, and, and I think part of the issue is because it's easy to say like, okay, well we have, you know, you have Fox on one side, you have NBC and, and CNN sometimes gets lumped in there. Um, but I, I'm very annoyed with CNN and I hate their coverage. I think it's garbage. Um, but I, th I think, I think that there's a wider range of sources on the left than there is on the right. I think that they, that you can get material from a wider number of things so it makes it easier to fact check stuff because I, I don't even like read the new york I, I, I take the new york times with a grain of salt because while they are professional every outlet has a bias regardless of what you do and i'm not super thrilled with how they handle the stock market because i don't think it's representative of america because a lot of americans don't have stocks but they are a very capitalist organization and that has consequences and so it, it's useful to read other sources to temper that out but I think that the right doesn't have the same sort of infrastructure well I mean they their 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 outlets are you know Infowars and Breitbart and yeah but those, those are recent though like those are those are all like I mean I would hesitate to say that Alex Jones is a pundit of any sort. <laughs> he's he's hot. It's just funny to watch. As, <laughs> he's as, funny as... to watch. He's very entertaining. And the thing is that people are, are are hooking into those types of people to be entertained and outraged, not to be informed I'm per se. Gonna... Yeah, I Go mean, the only reason I watched him is to laugh. I don't take anything he says seriously. <laughs> there, there are definitely people in rural Pennsylvania that have taken his doctor. I don't think anyone takes him seriously. Yeah. And actually, okay, so that's a good point. So we're all saying he doesn't, but Ty's saying people do. I, I have 100% encountered people that, that will take any you know, stuff that they read on Breitbart or even – not as much Alex Jones, but they'll, they'll take that stuff and, and, and recirculate it and take it as gospel. Isn't Breitbart, Breitbart very different from, uh, from uh, Infowars, though? It is, but, I mean, it's still a type of – maybe not super rigorous and sensationalist, you know – so I think the difference is like Fox News, while I like to beat it up, they will, they, you know, they'll fix stories if something goes horribly wrong. They will shamelessly peddle it for, you know, 48 straight hours before fixing it. But, um, it, and maybe that's just a criticism of the 24-hour news cycle. I, I don't really know. But um, Breitbart is more of everything is super editorialized. All the language is super sensationalist. Things are blatantly misrepresented, or you know, far more blatantly, I guess. Um, and it's it's like Alex Jones in print, without <laughs> Alex Jones selling his products. Because it's I think trickle down Alex Jones. It's true. <laughs> well, because Alex Jones has like, uh, uh, Alex Jones will spend, you know, ab ab about a fifth to a quarter of his time selling products in his store. 
and he usually has a story immediately prior before selling like you know supplements you know to, you know not tested there's no there there's no scientific basis for the things that he's selling and so he'll have a story and it'll go to that i think that's what sets him apart from breitbart is that breitbart does have like you can buy merchandise but breitbart doesn't write stories in order to sell them whereas alex jones will put together a 15 minute piece do you guys think that uh these kind of like practices is the reason why politics are so contentious in the no, US? No, that's a symptom. It's I a symptom. Th- well, no, I think, I think that, that... Like, what do you think is the reason why politics is so much more contentious over there than, let's say, here? I think it's been contentious since the founding. I, I, think, I think this goes back to something Chris said. Because Chris had said... Because um, I asked him the healthcare question, like, would you want to lose your healthcare? And that's kind of like a ridiculous question. I, I know it is. But <laughs> the, the thing is, is, you know, he said we already have it, so I don't want to lose it. And a big thing that happened when the Affordable Care Act, when Obamacare was passed, was that public support, specifically Republican support for healthcare, skyrocketed when the ACA was passed because suddenly a whole bunch of people, their lives were saved, you know, they got cancer and they didn't, get, they didn't go bankrupt, or they had healthcare coverage for the first time and they were able to get like their teeth fixed. And yeah, once- you. <laughs> Once people, yeah, I actually, I actually got a big round of dental stuff done when I got healthcare. Uh, <laughs> I had like three cavities; it was a mess. But um, so, so suddenly, the support skyrocketed because they had the thing and they realized it has a lot of value. So, I think my answer to why politics is so contentious is because we lack a lot of fundamental supports that other people have, we see them having it, and our country's GDP, like per capita GDP, just, you know, outstrips a lot of other countries that have much more basic protections. And so I think what we're fighting for is fundamentally more extreme, and so people are much more rabid about it. That makes sense. I mean, if, if I'm going to fight for a thing that keeps me from going bankrupt for health, for, for, because of, you know, I want better health care. I'm going to fight a lot harder for that, I think, than you will for toll boots. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. I, I, it's, it's easy to say, you know, like, although the media is partisan, which it totally is, it's, you know, it's, there, there are some real propaganda level issues that need to be taken care of with the media. But I think, I think the most base thing that you can say is that the things we're fighting about are so fundamental that it makes people crazy. Yeah. It's like arguing for food and water kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be more angry about food and water than you're gonna be angry about like silk sheets versus linen sheets. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Like, uh, so I I wanna ask you a bit more about uh, Trump since we got you here, Chris. Yeah. So like, obviously you're not a Republican. No. no, no, you're a you're a Norwegian, so you're probably to the left of most Democrats. But that might be, that yeah, might be at least in some issues. Uh, yeah. But like I'm I'm, I'm pro I'm pro abortion. So. You're, you're, you're to the left of most Demo- <laughs> a lot of Democrats. Then. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not I'm not religious. Yeah, you're to the left of a lot of Democrats. Then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I wanna I want I wanna ask you. What about Trump enamors you? What is it you like about him? Why, why do you call yourself a supporter of Trump? Uh, that's, well, mostly basically because uh, he's, I, I like the way he handles stuff. He always has an answer for everything. Most of, a lot of things he says is a lie. Yes, I can agree with that. But Oh, I don't have any sources up, but I've read a lot that he's done a lot of good stuff, but also a lot of bad stuff, of course. Um, I kind of agree with him with the wall, because you want to keep the illegal immigrant out and let the legal one come in. Because I'm guessing like most politicians, you'll find something you agree with them and what you don't agree with them, right? 
Yeah. Uh, but what what is particularly enamoring about Trump? What is it that you find? I like this guy enough that I like him particularly. I'm like I would call myself a supporter of this guy because I'm pretty sure you could say kind of the same thing for like Anna Solberg or Jan Stoltenberg. You find something you like about everyone. And well, for, for in the beginning, I wasn't like on the hype like you try a Trump hype train or anything. It was just like he was much better than Hillary as a person. Yeah, it was just like a, she she sucks so much. I'd I'd rather just have this guy. Yeah, like the lesser evil, basically. Yeah, and uh, and now you don't consider him a lesser evil, do you? Or do you consider him? Do you consider him a good, or do you just consider him better than Biden? Oh, much better than Biden. Okay. Like, uh, I I I haven't read that much about Biden's politics yet, but what what is it about Biden you don't like? Like. The way he touched kids and <laughs> sniffed their hairs, bites his wife's finger on the stage. That is pretty strange behavior, but... Yeah, and, and, and I'm looking forward to the debate and see if he can actually pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, when I'm... you've seen the videos of him trying to talk free talk, it's just a lot of bullshit coming out. When he talks about like kids fondling his uh, hairy legs and sitting on his lap, it's all weird. I've seen a couple of interviews with Biden where I thought he was really articulate, although not so much lately. I mean, he's clearly, clearly kind of drooping off. But I, I when I look at and, Trump, and, and the one, one comment he said, like, uh, mm-hmm. if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So well, what? Like, ah, that's a stupid comment. Yeah. But I, I would like to just say that I mean, Trump says a lot of stupid shit too. Yeah. He and he does a lot of creepy shit too. So what is it about Biden that you find more creepy than Trump, or what is it about? Trump, possibly, that you find charming so that you can overlook the creepy shit? It's mostly just the way it's, uh, Biden is around uh, kids, and kids and women in general. Just creepy. Uh, he's like, kind of like an unlicensed like a, ice cream man. My <laughs> yeah. I have a yeah. question. Um, like, you, you had said that you like that Trump always has answers it but you know it's obvious he lies constantly like yeah. he just does but where, and, where, where, which president hasn't lied but it's it's such to it, it's to such an extreme that it's really not super helpful to say well everybody lies because if you like you know the difference between like a white lie or a lie of omission or you know a lie to protect something really important versus you, I mean, I'm sure you've known people in your life, probably several, who you just can't trust because they're just liars. Like you just know that everything that comes out of their mouth is just, you know, a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, like people who enjoy it, they get kind of a rush out of it. Yeah, and I think I think there is just some. There's just you, you, I, I honestly don't know what it would feel like, but I, I imagine there's got to be some sort of like emotional gratification that comes with it. I'm assuming. I don't know. But back to my question, if, is it necessarily a good thing to always have an answer for everything if you're much less likely to trust that person? Because I could easily have an answer to everything. But I also find a lot of value in somebody who admits that they might not know something. I find that much more trustworthy than when somebody always knows what to say. I, I train my sales associates to always say, don't ever lie to a customer about the product. If you don't know the answer, stop. Tell them you don't know and you're going to find out. It b- builds credibility and, you know, yeah. stable, profitable, long-term relationship. So I guess I'm not really asking you a question. I'm just asking if you could, like, speak. Yeah, but I, but, but I, would, I would agree with you, like, in the way you said it. It's better to just tell if you don't know it uh, than just say something and hope it works yeah yeah have, have you guys ever had a politician like trump no i mean we had people who kind of tried to imitate it a little bit but they haven't been successful like didn't Colin hogan tried to do like a trump thing kind of after 2016 i mean he tried to make a comeback by uh, by trying to act a little weird and extreme, but it didn't really. People didn't really respond to it. I've I've heard on the news that he's gonna try for a new comeback now. Uh, well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> he's gone this far. 
there's something yeah. about Trump. There's a reason why he's such a such a big character. He's he he's got an entertainer's value, you know. Basically, he, like yeah, like the entire presidential campaign, like the 2016 was basically a big ass uh, reality TV. Yeah, oh, it, was, yeah. it was exciting. It was infuriating. It was exhilarating. It was. Uh, it, so it's many emotions of every kind that went off. Yeah. Well, and even more, you know, legitimate news sources have struggled with it because they're seeing their revenue skyrocket because people are buying subscriptions that have, never, you know, if, if Hillary had become president, most of those people would have never bought subscriptions because the news would have stayed boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, kind of dull. And there was, there was a point when, even when he was naming his cabinet members, do you remember how he did his cabinet members? When, when he was like, he, he would have like five different, he would treat them as contestants. Like he would announce their names publicly. And then he would like, they would go to Trump Tower to interview. And then people like, <laughs> media would speculate on like who would get picked and why. And like, it was this whole thing. And he understood if there's anything that Trump understands, which he's really super good at, is his showmanship. He is very good in the limelight, yeah. very good at keeping it on himself. Like, even if he loses the limelight, he'll say whatever it takes to get the limelight back. You can say what you will about Trump, but The Apprentice was an extremely successful reality show. It was. And, and he, I don't think he could have become president without that experience, because that experience taught him forward-facing what the public wants type behavior. And I think he would have just been mired into irrelevance if he didn't know how to keep capturing the conversation over and over and over. The thing is, he kind, of a, he kind of has a charm too. You know, there's there's a there's a kind of assholeish charm in him. He's funny. He's legitimately funny. You know, like when uh, some uh, some reporter or something, I don't know, the critic, why do you call uh, women fat pigs, right? And his yeah. response was. I don't. Only Rosie O'Donnell. Like, that's just legitimately don't, don't, funny. Don't, don't those two have like a feud or something? Yes. They, they have a massive feud. Yeah. I mean, massive in kilos alone. But I, I mean, I mean well, and, and one of the things that I think is interesting about Chris's comments about Biden is that Trump on camera bragged about sexually assaulting women. That happened. That was a thing that happened. He grabs people by their genitals. Yeah, uh, everybody's heard that one. In yeah. the dressing room, these women are in their underwear, and he does it. And that is so much more sensational and violating than any video of Biden. But but again, because he has so many controversies, it's easy to you know. I think it's very easy for the collective public to say, "Ah, well, it's old news. You know, we forgot about that. We've moved past it now." Now we have to deal with, you know, Biden's behavior. We can't compare those two. And I, and I think that's strange, but I also think it, it, it has to be reckoned with because he, even though Trump's rap sheet is very long, it doesn't seem to stick to him. He's Teflon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Almost like he, it feels like he can almost get away with anything. Yeah. Sometimes. I genuinely believe Trump, like in, in retrospect, when he said I could be standing on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and still vote for me, I, I kind of genuinely believe he would. Like if he shot someone, it would be huge news. And then I think a lot of people would say, yeah, but he was threatened or yeah, but this is actually, this guy was actually a terrorist. If you look at his Facebook, he did like this uh, socialist thing once or something. I, I think yeah, they would find be funding the post office right now in order to try to skew the election. Yeah, yeah. I think I and admitted it. Yeah, and admitted it on television. <laughs> yeah, I read about that today, actually. <laughs> what do you think about that, Chris? Like, what do you think about the whole post office thing? I think it's idiotic that to vote through posts. That's that's just uh, it's so easy to manipulate. That's true, but what about Corona? Like, you can't really pack people into a queue anymore. Yeah, but apparently, if if you just bring a Black Lives Matter sign, you can go vote because then you're immune to Corona. Well, yeah, that's true, I guess. It is a, it is a potential cure. Um, like, we, we, do have, we do have a mail-in vote system in Norway, too. Like, you can... Yeah, pre-vote, like, uh, pre but you do it on the computer, don't you? 
Yeah, you're doing a computer, but like, what's to stop the Americans from doing it? Because uh, like, I think they have pre votes too. Like, soldiers pre vote when they have to go to Iraq and shit. It is, don't they? It is insanely hard to commit voter fraud through a post because of the way the registration system works. It's yeah. a nightmare. It, it, it is, honestly, it, it's kind of a logistical masterpiece. And the way they manage to both keep track of the paper trail and to send out only the official forms to the people. The, the rates of male voter fraud are so incredibly low. It's, what about I, female male voter fraud? What's that? <laughs> I'm just being stupid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> well, and, and, and a lot of it too comes down to like, you know, polling places can't be opened everywhere. So people that live in super rural areas benefit significantly from mail-in votes. People who, you know, can't leave their homes, who have, who are immune, who, are, who their immune systems are compromised. They all rely on it heavily. Well, they also cut down the number of polling places. So you, you know, you might have to go, you know, especially if you're rural, you might have to go 30 miles. I don't know. That's, that well, that surprises I, me though. Aren't rural voters uh, like a part of, Aren't they an important part of Trump's base? I thought uh, he, his crew was mostly rural. Predominantly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it actually harming him, though? Well, and that's, that's the, well, the question is, it, it kind of comes back to the, the COVID thing, right? Like, he, it's, it's this perception that it will hurt urban areas more, so they go for it. Like, they thought, they honestly thought that because the population density of an urban center is so much greater that COVID, the coronavirus would spread faster here and hurt more Democrats. That's why uh, Kushner got in trouble because it turns out that he had purposely, you know, not implemented any sort of federal guidelines because he, is, he wanted it to burn through urban centers. But what happened was it burned through rural areas anyway. And it was a miscalculation that has turned a lot of rural Trump voters against him. And I think the post office- Wait, I, I I'm, I'm struggling to grasp that. Kushner intentionally let the virus infect cities? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I will absolutely- That seems kind of like a war crime thing. Well, and you would think so, right? But the thing is, is that it's, it yeah. made the rounds most of these stories do. It hit- for like three uh, straight days, Kushner, there uh, were Fox uh, News. Trump's son-in-law, yeah, so Ivanka's husband. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they so know, they so basically, they intentionally infected people. Uh, not intentionally, but like they didn't do anything to try and stop it. Yeah. So they they they, they, they intentionally didn't implement guidelines that would make people safer. Or, or help with equipment in any way because they wanted it to burn through urban areas. And what then, then rural areas got hit with COVID too. And they thought, well, they're, they're so spread out, they won't infect each other. But that's obviously not what happened because people still go to church, people still go to school, people still go to work. You know, like it's yeah. still going to infect everyone regardless of how far apart your houses are. How, how, was, this, how was this not bigger news though? This, this is like- yeah, a that's the question. It was very big news, and it hit for a few days, but then something more sensationalist happened. Welcome to America. And that's the thing, is that news stories are so big, and there were so many things happening in the Trump era that that's part of his Teflon, is that the next thing happens, and now you're like, well, that last thing was old news. The concentrations camps are still open. Um, there was a story that broke a few days ago about habitual sexual assault in one of the, the detention centers. And like, like, just let's just let's clear it up. Like the concentration camps, what are those again? <laughs> so, so okay. So here, here's what it is. They were centers where they, they well, ori no, no, originally they started as centers for to hold um, the, the, when the border patrol would grab someone, um, or if someone overstayed their visa, someone would be put into one of these uh, centers and. Um, they were they were basically holding cells where people would stay while they were waiting for an immigration judge to hear their case. And America doesn't have a lot of immigration judges. It's super backed up, so people would wait for a year, two years, five. Now, when what Trump did 
was he that he he hired a whole new slew of border patrol agents and he stuffed these places to the brim and anyone crossing the border with their families was immediately thrown in there instead of like sent back um Whoa. they started they started going into cities seizing families and throwing them in there so you went from these places that were at capacity to now had five six ten times the amount of people they were designed to hold and so they would have you know you would have instead of just like a one or two people living in a one or two person space you would have five to ten and he he also started the policy where you separate the parents from their children regardless of the age and regardless of the circumstance so two-year-olds would be pulled away from their parents parent would be the babies breastfeeding babies would be pulled away from their mother and they were put into these cells with a whole bunch of kids and looked after by nurses and the the oversight for these centers weren't the same and so some of these centers had appalling conditions there were stories of like 10 year olds changing the diapers of young children like the toddlers that weren't their sibling because it was just people it was people in this sort of situation where they're looking out for each other that stuff is still happening those places are still packed they're still not getting enough food they're not some of them some of these kids aren't going to school or being educated some of these places don't have enough to eat they're not they're not ventilated they're, they're some of them don't have you know air conditioning and they're like in arizona so how's corona, how's corona affecting those places not great <laughs> about the same as they're <laughs> affecting our prisons which is blowing through and nobody's really talking about it and so these these types of things that will break get swallowed up by just the torrent of news coming out and then it becomes old news and then people stop caring about it and so the jared kushner story was really big news i heard it on like everything i even i even heard it on on a fox on a fox channel because I, I try to watch fox just to see what's going on over there and they talked about, it. they mentioned the, the Kushner thing about how he's going to, like they said something about how he's going to like answer questions about the event. Obviously that never happened. He was never, he was never at, in a press conference of any kind and nobody's talking about it now. And it's been about two weeks <laughs> or something. It's, it's crazy. Um, so I, going back, going back to the, the, the thing about hurting rural votes is that they implement these policies without actually, they don't consult with experts, they don't trust doctors, they don't want any sort of, like the CDC guidelines, they've undermined them time and again. So when you set up a policy without conferring with people who know what they're talking about, you don't, you're not going to have the kind of consequences that you want because you're not gonna have the type of preparation to prevent those consequences. Shit, man. Yeah. So. Damn. Wasn't there a shit show in New York as well with all that COVID where they put people in like old people's home or something? Well, well, I don't know if, I don't know about what you're referring to specifically. I do know that New York City was the, what, like the first major outbreak hub and um, old folks homes have been hit the hardest by far. Like that's the, the, a significant percentage of the COVID deaths are occurring in elder care homes. I mean, they are lots more vulnerable too, aren't they? They're a yeah. lot more vulnerable. They're all in the same spot. They're all hanging out. And, and, and the, uh, again, the regulatory oversight is not universal. So in states with looser regulations. No, or, they don't even want the, they're not even sending the results to the CDC, to the CDC anymore. They're sending it straight to the Trump administration. Yeah, they blocked, they blocked being able to publicize the COVID data. I'm looking at the time now, uh, and I'm thinking, do you guys have any more questions about Norwegian politics? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you What do you have, Ty? I don't know. I'm very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. What What is your guys' perception? I do have one one last question. What is your guys' perception of American politics does it feel all-encompassing because I'm it, it blows my mind that regardless of what nation somebody's from they still seem to know a, a decent amount like an ant like a glancing amount of detail about our politics but I couldn't even tell you who your prime minister is I don't know their name uh, it's probably because you're like the 
biggest one of the biggest countries in the world, like yeah. U- U.S. and Russia. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know why it is. Like, I know that we're we we were we've it's saturated the last, everything. It's the last remaining superpower, you know. It's uh, the U.S. is it's it, it, it's the world leader. So yeah, we're, we're going to pay attention to what the U.S. does. Yeah. Plus, what the U.S. does tends to be kind of crazy as well. So it's very funny. <laughs> funny, but entertaining, you know? So is that uh, your perception of American politics, that it's just entertaining? I think my perception is that it's a shit show. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. I, I, I would actually agree with him there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, a- seems, it seems like it's really difficult for you guys to discuss issues in like a calm way like what i i I heard something somewhere of course uh uh somewhere is the new source we all use um i heard that today there's a bigger like divide between republicans and democrats than there was between blacks and whites in the 60s like if if you were to take if you're you're a democrat and if you were to take a republican girl home uh, you would have a bigger beef with your parents than if you took a black girl home in the 60s. No, my mom, my parents would just belittle her. <laughs> I mean, and knowing your mom, I, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Is that true? Is it like, is it that tribal? Or is it just like a perception that... It can I'm, be. I'm not going to say... I mean, there, there's a lot of people that are pretty indifferent. It just depends. Yeah. I think most people have an opinion but i think that most people also a significant majority of americans don't know what the heck's going on and just don't care and they would rather they would rather be in your guys' situation right where you're just like i want to live my life and i just hope the government takes care of me the way i expect them to and i think that's what most i think that's what anybody wants is to not have to worry about that i don't want it like feel like I need to know because then it makes you go crazy like if you need to feel like your government isn't serving you right then you have to become informed to know why that is but then it drives you crazy because you don't have the power to force them to treat you well you know what I mean yeah it becomes like impotent rage yeah and I think frustration like I know a lot of people who are really well-informed at the beginning of the Trump administration who just got tired. And now, like, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him questions of like, oh, yeah, I haven't turned on the news in like a month and a half. And you know what? I'm a lot happier. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, good. Good for you. That's kudos. <laughs> I think that's probably something we should all do. Yeah. This kind yeah. Of I mean, the less power we give the news, I think the less, like, sensationist bullshit they're going to throw at us as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a good point. And, and I, I think that's why, I mean, that's why we started this podcast, right? Is to like have people talk to each other. Yeah. Just have like a chill conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to get better at letting the guests speak though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have that much to say. It's my first podcast ever. So I'm still really grateful that you came on. Yeah, dude. Chris, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, on that note, was, though, on yeah. that note. Do you have any like final thoughts, anything you felt like you wanted to share or felt that you wanted to address yet to say during the podcast? Me? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering what's up with all that Antifa, like the people like supporting communism and everything. Oh, that's overblown. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Like Antifa just means anti-fascist. Yeah, that that I know. It's it's an old uh, like anti-Nazi from the Second World War. Yeah. Originally. Yeah, and and it was it was a label that people started using to say, "Hey, we don't like Hitler," and it kind of popped up again recently as a label. But yeah, because Trump is literally Hitler. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. I, I, I think he, I, I believe that he is a fascist. I don't know if he's, he's Hitler. I think if he was given the types of power Hitler had, I could see him doing similar things. But when it comes to Antifa, I think Antifa is treated as a boogeyman because there is a comparable thing on the other side, like white supremacy in alt-right terrorism is shot through the roof 
And that is a very real problem. And there are a lot of deaths associated with that. There are a lot of terror attacks associated with that. Antifa tends to be a minority representation in protests, but it's really easy to zoom in the camera, capture those people. But like, you'd be real hard pressed to find any domestic terrorism by Antifa and, and definitely not on the magnitude, the order the same order of magnitude that, that white supremacy terrorist acts have occurred. So I think it's just a, a counterweight that is used as a boogeyman, but that is my perception of it. And that's, that's what I think. You're saying there's a lot of terrorist, like not terrorist attack, but attack by white supremacists, like, all the time. Why, why, why don't the news cover that? They do. Like, yeah, there, like, there were, we, what, after um, the Black Lives Matter uh, thing, uh, protests exploded, there were, what was it, like five or six black men that were found hanging in public squares? Oh, yeah, I remember that. That one I actually remember. Yeah, but it, I mean, I see, the thing is, is that it, these things are in the news, but it. They don't blow up. They, they either don't blow up or because it's, if, if it's connected to white supremacy, I have noticed that Fox will not cover it. They will cover a shooter, but they tend to downplay anyone connected with white supremacy. They did cover the New Zealand attack, but that's because it didn't happen in America. Yeah. They covered that one pretty, pretty, pretty heavily. Um, and, and, you know, that was horrifying i mean there was there was body cam footage of the guy walking into a mosque and you know it was awful yeah um they had that in norway as well not that long ago kid that he just went into a mosque and shot some people yeah yeah it's messed up yeah so i i think i think that that comes back to like i i think it's because i spend a lot of time surfing a lot of different like a, a wide variety of news sources, and and Ty, Ty can attest to you that I, I annoy him with with these things. All yeah, the time. I usually just tune them out after <laughs> after a certain point. I'm done. Yeah, he's, and and that's fine. And that would be Ty lives a much healthy, healthier, mentally healthier. Yeah, I don't think physically. No, maybe not physically, but <laughs> <laughs> mentally and emotionally, he lives a much healthier life for it. But I I think. I tend to encounter these things because I spend a lot of time reading a, a wide variety of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, but. All right. So, uh, Ty, do you have any uh, final thoughts, anything you wanted to bring up? I try not to think it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a are... good way to think yes. <laughs> without thinking. <laughs> uh, well, so thank you so much for coming on guys. This was uh... Really thank you this. guys for letting me join you. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you both. This was this was awesome. Nice talking to you. Yeah. Awesome. I, I hope we can we can do this uh, this again uh, sometime. It'll be nice. Like the next time we do politics, maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just give give me a heads up. Yeah. I don't want to plan anything now, but I. I would nah, really, nah, I know. I would really enjoy that. No, that no. I want a date and time. I also. <laughs> uh, when, when it gets close to the election, we can have a. Ooh. Oh, that's kind of buggy. I will be very drunk. I want an election episode. night uh, podcast. Oh, oh God. God. I will be very drunk. Oh, right. We will be screaming and shouting at it's each all other. Be sh like, like, and all of us is shit-faced drunk when we do it. That's the only oh, way I will survive that night. I yeah. I'll have a bottle of vodka again. So, so oh, what, what do you think is going to be the election result? Honestly, I have no idea. No clue. Because... There's too many. There's too many variables. Like the the news keeps saying that like Biden's ahead. Biden's ahead. Yeah, the same was with Hillary. She was like seventy one, and Trump had like twenty or nineteen. But that's just a percentage, right? Like the when the when when people say the polls failed, I I think his chances were that slim. I just think that if you have a one in four chance of winning, you still have a one in four chance of winning. Like your chances are twenty five percent. And I can I can roll, you know I can roll some dice. I might not be likely to roll a six, but I still can roll a six, and I do sometimes. You know what I mean? I yeah. Biden has a, a lot better chance than Hillary does because Biden is he's quite beloved. Old white men love him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think that that after four years of Trump, there there are a lot of people reckoning with him in a bunch of different ways. Like I have cousins. Yeah. My my uh, my. Uh, 
stepdad and my biological father's side, they, they, they all have military histories. And when we abandoned the Kurds in the Middle East, they were very upset about that. And, and one of my cousins said point blank to me, he's like, I've been with Trump up until now, but I won't vote for him again because he was you know, upset. Because he, he fought in Afghanistan and he fought alongside Kurdish fighters. And he was very deeply upset because he took that as a, as a personal betrayal. And so I think there are some reckonings that make it harder to tell, but at the same time, who the fuck knows, man? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Anything, a lot could happen in the next two months. And yeah. I, I fully expect, you know, there's going to be some sort of like Biden Ukraine scandal that's going to be dropped that they're going to like, they can say whatever they want. Some people will believe it. Like you can sensationalize it as much as you want. There will always be a subset. So th there's too much that can happen between now and then, and our politics are too volatile to tell. All right, let's uh, let's end this thing. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. It was great talking to you, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, this is lovely. Have a good one. Peace. Bye bye.